details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public. No more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. I clear my throat right into the microphone. Very, very professional. I am uh, I am the consummate broadcast pro right here, aren't I? I'm just, uh, I'm tearing it up today. All right, welcome in. Another edition of Michael Groff in Exile is underway. It is Monday, May 10th, 2010. And uh, it's actually a, a beautiful day outside. I am I am wasting it in these four walls, but it doesn't matter because I'm here. I'm talking to you, and that's really all that matters to me. And that's it's a very good thing. I really wouldn't have it any other way. Well, I mean, I guess I would. Ultimately, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, a few million bucks and a girlfriend and uh, maybe some food in front of me. But other than that, I think I'm I think I'm all right. I'm set. I'm good. We're we're cool. Everything's fine. Everything's gonna be all right. Right? All right, contact information for the program, as always, mike at kmgx.com. That's our email address. It is mike at kmgx.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most incredibly generous contributions to this program, which I do always appreciate. Again, mike at kmgx.com. Our uh, AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name over there is Michael Groff Show. Should you wish to send us a message and um, we're also on IRC all of our contact information in more ways just to have this program at your disposal all available at the one the only michaelgraff.com We, we had a very busy weekend. We had a lot of stuff happening, a lot of things in the world of sports, a lot of news, a lot of, uh, a lot of events. Uh, it, was a, it was a big weekend. Of course, Mother's Day was yesterday. I took my mom out. Um, my mom, uh, we went out, let's see, my brother, 
my mom's boyfriend Charlie and I, we all went out uh, to a little place by my house, a, a nice uh, sort of pizza place. Yeah, it wasn't Chuck E. Cheese, no. No, it, it was, uh, it's this little place right up the uh, street. They got burgers, pizza. It's a very, um, I don't want to say ritzy, but it's it's sort of the, the trendy place in our uh, subdivision, our neighborhood to go to. And uh, so it's my mom's choice. You know, she we could have taken her to a nice steakhouse or um, if she wanted to go to Denny's because, you know, that would have been the cheaper alternative rather than. <laughs> hey, man, it's it's all up to her. I mean, went for a few drinks afterwards, watched the Sun Spurs game, which I'm going to get into in a bit. Oh, that was a thing of beauty. That was awesome. It really was. There's nothing better than that. All right. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of news stories to get into. There's, listen, as you know, there's what Fox News is telling you is the news. CNN, MSNBC, or all of these other people. There's what those people think is news. And that's all well and good. But really, what matters is what I think is news. And that's that's what we lead off the show with. People are idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. But lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Groff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. And I'm going to warn you right now, there's a lot of sports stuff in here. Oh my God, not sports! Number seven. But first, Obama's Supreme Court nominee. Elena Kagan is her name, and... Um, Will will she be the next Supreme Court justice? Well, only time will tell, but it's it's I'm not going to call it a foregone conclusion with uh, 41 Republicans in the Senate, but I don't think they're going to oppose this move primarily because if they do, they can sure well expect that in 2012 when Obama loses and we have anybody else in office and they try to put a Supreme Court nominee through, uh, that would get blocked by Democrats. So, I don't think that's going to happen, but we we certainly have to talk about this woman because there's some interesting things that she has done and interesting things you need to know about her, for sure. Number six. Have you heard about this guy in India who has supposedly not had anything to eat or drink in over 60 years? Yeah, I did not misspeak. Supposedly, this dude has not had anything to eat or drink in 60 years. Scientists have been studying. They've been watching him for the last two weeks. He hasn't had anything to eat or drink, and he appears to be just fine. He's 83 years old. He doesn't look a day over 6,000, um, but he's he hasn't had a thing to... I, I just I can't even wrap my head around that. If it's true, certainly scientists are baffled by it. We'll get into it. Number five. The Suns beat the San Antonio Spurs. They didn't just beat the San Antonio Spurs. They swept the San Antonio Spurs, getting the monkey off their back. It's big news here in Phoenix. I'm sorry. 
But after everything that surrounded Los Sons and all the controversy that was there and the ar- many arguments I got into people over the issue, the Suns swept the San Antonio Spurs. They did it in different fashions every game, but the fourth quarter was really the big uh, the big issue in this series, and that's why the the Suns were so easily able to dispose of their arch nemesis, the San Antonio Spurs, who acted very classy in defeat, which... I, I hate it. There's nothing worse to me than when you play your arch rival and then they act all classy. Like, do you expect... Do you expect Yankees or Red Sox players to act classy toward each other? Of course not. Number four. The European economy is in trouble. That's not exactly breaking news, but it is the truth. The euro is plummeting rapidly. Economy across Europe is, at best, tenuous. It is a potential disaster that's looming. And, of course, it has our markets wondering what's going on. And in fact, last week, if you'll remember, uh, Procter & Gamble, one of the um, one of the big losers on the stock market last week in one day, lost half its value. The stock lost half its value. If you're thinking about economic recovery right now, and that's the talking point going on right now, we're in the middle of economic recovery. No, we're not. Unemployment is up. Stock market's down. Uh, Europe is... They're, they're having to bail out. The euro is, is a disaster. Of course, I'm sure that somebody will find a way to blame George Bush for all of it. Number three. 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 Lawrence Taylor. On Friday, the story came out, Lawrence Taylor accused of rape. Raping a 16-year-old girl. Now, the initial story was that uh, he went to a hooker. He met some pimp, a a mutual friend, whatever, and... uh, Hooked her, uh, hooked him up with his girl. She was 16. He paid $300 for it. I don't know what's... You're talking about a Hall of Fame linebacker for the New York Giants who is hooking it up with a 16-year-old girl and he's paying $300. 20 years ago, this guy wouldn't have had to pay for Poon, okay? This guy could have gotten it anywhere he wanted, anytime he wanted, but now he's having to shell out 300 bucks. And, of course, it turns out that... She was 16. Now, the the, the the whole story that's around it, we'll get into it, but he says it's consensual. Obviously, it can't be because we're talking about a 16-year-old. I mean, do we, does anybody not understand that? You can't have consensual sex with a child. Number two. two. Somebody should have told Michael Jackson that. Meanwhile, uh, Dallas Braden. Throws a perfect game for the Oakland A's yesterday against Tampa Bay. And we have a little bit of controversy surrounding it. A little bit. We'll talk about it. Number one. Number one. You know, I did the seven stories and I didn't even bring up Tiger Woods. And I'm still not. Number The number one story, obviously, is... Uh, well, the number one story is the fact that uh, the oil spill continues in the Gulf. And BP, they tried to put the box over it. They tried to cap off this leak about a mile deep in the Gulf and they couldn't do it. So they're looking at uh, about two, three hundred, two to 300,000 gallons have spilled out into the Gulf. The eco- the ecological disaster that is out there uh, will be felt for 
months, years. They say that even now, 20, more than 20 years after the Exxon Valdez spill in Alaska, that life still hasn't returned to normal up there. Obviously, this is going to be used as fuel for the fire to prevent any further offshore drilling from going on. But guess what? Whether it stops the United States from engaging in offshore drilling, somebody's going to be doing it. Russia, China, someone's going to be engaged in offshore drilling, whether it's the United States or not, whether it's BP or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, BP has had several noted safety violations. They do have a bad safety record, even though they were supposedly going to be getting an award from the White House last week for a... Uh, for outstanding safety, not so much. Some speculate whether or not this was a a uh, sabotage on their oil platform. Who knows? The, the point is, it's a disaster. Lots of people out of work. The fishing industry hurt. And you think gas prices are high now? You ain't seen nothing yet. And those are just some of the stories that are on my radar to start off the week. Who needs billion-dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? All right, when we continue, we'll get into uh, we'll get into all of it. We do have a lot uh, of stuff, obviously, to talk about, and uh, we certainly will. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, uh, it's a little bit of a tough day, but we're going to get through it. More on that later on in the program. May 10th is always a, uh, it's a bad day for me personally. But uh, we're going to slug it out. We'll continue. Michael Groff in exile. It is a Monday, which always makes it even more difficult. And we'll continue. Man. I think I had... A few too many to drink last night. And I, I don't think I was the only one. Did you see this? Before I go to break, I just have to mention this. See, Keith Hernandez of the Mets, Mets television broadcast play-by-play guy, he fell asleep during the game the other day. Mets are playing the Giants. And an extra innings, Keith Hernandez uh, fell asleep. Well, listen, I've fallen asleep uh, a couple of times watching baseball games, but I wasn't the play-by-play guy. That's awesome. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. More coming up. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Monday back after this. Segment number two, Michael Groff in exile on a Monday. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Groff Show. Feel free to send a message anytime you like, 24-7. We uh, leave 
the messenger up or of course email whatever you want to do michaelgroff.com for all of your other various michael groff show wants desires and needs So much going on. Yesterday, the for only the 19th time in history, Dallas Braden of the Oakland A's throws a perfect game. And in baseball, if you're unfamiliar, that's 27 up, 27 down. Everybody that came to the plate was retired. No runs, no hits, no errors against the Tampa Bay Rays. The, uh, the A's, who are in first place in a rather weak American League West, well, anytime you're in the same division with Seattle and the Angels, who are just uh, struggling mightily right now, uh, you're going to be doing pretty well. But regardless, the A's win the game four to nothing over Tampa Bay, who was the number one hitting team in all of baseball going into that game. Uh, number one in batting average, number one in runs scored, uh, toward the top of the league in home runs, toward the top of the league in RBIs. Again, we're talking about a very potent lineup and Dallas Braden, the same Dallas Braden who uh, just about, uh, well, about two weeks ago had the argument with Alex Rodriguez of the Yankees over the get off my mound incident, uh, goes out there. He tosses a perfect game, the 19th in history and 42 years to the day after Catfish Hunter threw a no hitter for the A's back on May 9th, uh, nineteen. 68 so unbelievable a uh, quite an accomplishment for Dallas Braden quite an accomplishment for the Oakland A's and really when I did the baseball previews at the beginning of the spring I did not have this team in first place but that's exactly where they are right now granted it's only May 10th and a lot can change there's still a lot of baseball to be played about 125 130 games still to go in the season okay so let's not get too excited but this was a team that I just didn't figure was there yet. A young team, uh, not a lot of offensive talent, uh, certainly some, some pretty decent pitching there, but not a lot of talent uh, and, and really uh, a lineup that does not intimidate anybody. And yet here they are. They're in first place on May 10th. The only chance I gave them, I, I had this team as a third or fourth place team in the division, but... I will say the the one chance they do have and that, that I did mention earlier was that they do play in a bad division. Seattle does not have any kind of lineup. Uh, they do have some pitching, but even that's not, uh, it has failed them some and um, they need some bullpen help. They're going to need some bullpen help for sure. Texas with injuries and the Angels just haven't been able to find their way. They got absolutely spanked by the Red Sox last week. So Oakland right now, this is their opportunity. Again, a lot of baseball to be played. Still a lot left to go in the season. But right now, you got to love what Oakland's up to. And Dallas Braden, perfect game. That just seems to be one of those things that can help propel you um, throughout the season. And people say, well, that's that, you know, you're sort of making a big deal out of nothing. Look, uh, that's a day off for the bullpen. All right. And it instills more confidence into a guy like Dallas Braden, who many have said could be a, a big find, a big slice of talent in that rotation. We'll just have to see uh, how it continues. But um, I'm going to keep my eye on this team, that's for sure. Uh, the controversy that erupted 
from this game, however. And of course, there was a controversy leading off the fifth inning for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Evan Longoria goes to lay down a bunt. Now, we've had this discussion on the air before about the unwritten rules of baseball. And now, many of you know how I feel about unwritten rules. If they're unwritten, it means they're not rules. Rules are written. They're in a rule book. There is something tangible there. The unwritten rules, I don't buy into any of that crap. Um, But the unwritten rule says you don't lay down a bunt. Now, in the fifth inning, I think it's still okay in the unwritten rules. Um, I I didn't bring my copy of the unwritten rules with me, so I don't know for sure. But I think in baseball etiquette, as it were, it's okay to still lay down a bunt to lead off the fifth inning if a guy's throwing a perfect game to that point. Um, I, I, I guess regardless, he did it. It started up the old conversation again about, well, I mean, he's a power hitter. He's the third base. What is he doing? Trying to lay down a bunt. That's just Bush league. The guy should be swinging. He should be trying to go for a legitimate base hit. It's just like, you know, this controversy was fueled. It started, um, back in 2001, the Arizona diamondbacks were in San Diego. I still remember this game. I was sitting almost right where I'm sitting right now. And I was watching, uh, it was a, um, it was a night game against San Diego at old Qualcomm stadium. Kurt Schilling was on the mound and he was electric. He was just mowing down the Padres left and right. He had perfect game stuff that night. And then the eighth inning catcher, Ben Davis of the Padres lays down a bunt and it, it rolls out towards second base. Jay Bell was playing second base at the time for the Diamondbacks. Uh, he couldn't get to the ball, of course. But by that point, Jay Bell was so slow. I, I don't know. He, If he would have ran, it would have taken about half an hour to get to that ball. Anyway, he had a piano in his pants, I think. But he, he goes, he gets the ball and throws it way too late over to first. And uh, Ben Davis reaches. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, they reacted as if Ben Davis just sodomized their children. I mean, it was... It was really, it was unbelievable. Um, And then in this city, the reaction was, how can a guy lay down a bunt like that? It was, the scenario was, it was the eighth inning. The Diamondbacks were ahead two to nothing. Okay, so it's a two nothing game. Ben Davis lays down a bunt. He brings the tying run to the plate. It's called strategy. It's called you play to win the game. Okay, this is not some exhibition game. It's not some beer league softball game. It's Major League Baseball. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. It's a business. And at at that time, the Diamondbacks were not playing particularly well. Of course, they did go on to win the World Series that year, but they were not playing particularly well at the time. And, well, Kurt Schilling was playing his ass off, but you just didn't defend. You didn't think that a catcher was going to lay down a bunt. There was the, the whole talk about, well, it's an unwritten rule. You don't try to bunt your way on in the eighth inning when a guy's throwing a perfect game. And I say, why not? That seems like the best time to do it. Nobody's going to be expecting it. Everybody's too busy thinking about this unwritten rule crap. That's the best time to lay down a bunt. And yeah, I know. he. I think Ben Davis and his whole career put down two bunts. Uh, you know, and that was one of them, but, and I realized he wasn't even that great a player. And I, I, but look, if, if you have a guy that's on the ball over there at second base, if Jay Bell hadn't been playing, I don't know, in shallow, right, maybe he would have been able to make a play on that for God's sake. It's a bunt. So I, I just, I don't see that as being a controversy at all. 
as far as I'm concerned, it's okay to tag uh, from third base when you're up 17 to one. I saw the Mets do it against the Diamondbacks. I never had a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with the Vikings uh, scoring on the Cowboys uh, when they were up 27 to three with two minutes to go in the game in the playoffs. I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, I'm a Vikings fan, but I wouldn't have cared if the if it were the other way around. I wouldn't have cared. Rub their faces in it. It doesn't matter. If you don't like it, stop them from doing it. Unwritten rules are unwritten. You know, if you want to go out there and you want to throw at a guy because he violated your sacred unwritten rules, if you want to have a base brawl over it, then that's fine. But as far as I'm concerned, if it's an unwritten rule, then it should stay that way. It should stay as an unwritten rule. And you can't go out there and... and Make a big deal. See, to me, an un- unwritten rules are written, as it were. They're con- they're contrived or they're they're conjured up by losers. Unwritten rules are created by losers because they don't know how to win, or they want to make excuses for why they lost, or they come up with unwritten rules of how you should play the game so it's it's more fair, it's more equitable, it's it's more moral. Sorry, this is Major League Baseball. I have no problem with maybe uh, maybe Little League with a, with a mercy rule. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with, um, you know, maybe something like that in, in, uh, in T-ball, okay? But this, I'm sorry, this is, this is the Major Leagues. It's time to man up. It's time to grow a set, all right? You know, uh, this isn't women's softball. This is, it's a real game here. All right. Thank you. Jesus. Anyway, so that's uh, that's that. And uh, I guess since we're on the sports thing already, I might as well just mention once again, the, the Suns beat the Spurs. They sweep the Spurs in four games. What a tremendous weekend, um, at least for basketball in Phoenix, as the Suns are going to the Western Conference Finals, likely going to play the Lakers as uh, they're up three games to none on the Utah Jazz. The Suns slay the dragon that is their arch rival, the San Antonio Spurs. They do it in in different fashion every single night. Game one, it was Steve Nash. Game two, it was a performance of the bench. It was coming back from a deficit in the first half. It was offensive rebounding. It was a a way to play that the Suns just haven't done in a long time. Uh, Really, just totally dominating the glass against the Spurs. Game three, Goran Dragic. Uh, a lot of people, I'm sure 95% of the NBA fans had no idea who Goran Dragic was before Friday night, but he came out there and in the fourth quarter scored 23 points, went 9 of 11 from the field, knocked down some big threes, and he just took it to the San Antonio Spurs. Leandro Barbosa, who's played like crap most of the playoffs, uh, here he is uh, Friday night. He scores, uh, I believe he had... Uh, seven points in the fourth. He had 13 points in the second half. So he uh, certainly stepped his game up. And uh, the Suns rallied from an 18-point deficit to win that game. And in game four, uh, it was Steve Nash with a busted-up eye after uh, Tim Duncan inadvertently hit him in the eye with uh, with his elbow. He's bleeding. He had six stitches. He came out there and helped uh, big time in the fourth quarter to close out the Spurs, sweeping the Spurs. And the Spurs, well, they actually took it classy. Greg Popovich, he congratulated the Suns. He 
shook uh, shook hands with Alan Gentry. I mean, it's it was a a much different feel to the game than previous incarnations of the Spurs, who were a dirty, cheap shotting team. This time, the Spurs actually handled themselves with some moniker of class, um, and really uh, anybody from Manu Ginobili. Uh, to Tim Duncan, to Greg Popovich. I mean, the only time Greg Popovich really kind of lost his cool was after game two when reporters asked him kind of dumb questions, to be honest. So he did lose a little bit of his composure there, but still he congratulated the Suns. And it was a, I have to say, for the most part, really not a dirty series. Uh, some some very questionable calls, but that you're going to get that in the NBA playoffs. You're going to get that with the San Antonio Spurs, especially. Regardless, the Suns win. And that's all there is to it. Uh, the whole controversy of low suns, I think we can put all that behind us now. Uh, hopefully we can just move on. And, I, and the suns likely after tonight, they'll know that they'll be playing the Lakers. Um, and that's going to be a tall order. Look, I mean, I know suns fans are, are already t- talking about going to the NBA finals and it's almost a foregone conclusion. You know, it really angers me though. The national media has given absolutely no respect to the Phoenix Suns. They haven't talked about the Suns. This is like they assumed that the Spurs were going to win this series. Basically, everybody, all those experts over at ESPN, all those experts, the guys that are supposedly know about the NBA, uh, anybody, even Fox Sports Radio, Stephen A. Smith, that tool, he picked the Spurs. Uh, everybody except for, I think, one guy uh, picked the, uh, the Spurs to win this series. And now everybody's just talking about who the Lakers are going to play in the NBA Finals. And, and last I checked, and, and I could be wrong here, but I'm looking at it right now, and the Suns are still in the playoffs. The Suns are, are waiting for the Lakers or the Jazz. All right, so uh, before you go on with your presumptions, I would have to advise you, maybe you ought to be taking a look at... Um, at uh, the Suns, the Suns and the Lakers series. I know you're just, it's a foregone conclusion that the, the Lakers are just going to win because blood they're the Lakers, they're the defending champs, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, well, uh, the Lakers are um, an Andrew Bynum partially torn meniscus away. Uh, he's, he's one bad step or one inadvertent step away from being out. Kobe, who uh, admittedly is playing well right now, but he was looking pretty poor about two weeks ago. I don't think the Lakers are this invincible, this immovable object, okay? I don't believe that. I think the Lakers are vulnerable. I think the Suns have a chance. Now, I didn't say they're going to win, but I think they have a chance. They definitely have a puncher's chance against the Lakers in this series, especially if they play more of their old style, if they really uh, run up and down, if they try to engage the Lakers in a track meet, there's just no way the Lakers can keep up. And uh, what I saw in that San Antonio series is the Lakers, if they try to game plan to stop one guy on the Suns, if they if they game plan to go after Amari Stoudemire, which was clearly the strategy of the San Antonio Spurs, if they employ employ that strategy, they are going to lose. The Suns seem to find a way to get somebody else to step up every game. Somebody, and and it's the bench. The bench is certainly a lot deeper than any other uh, Suns bench uh, of years past. You have legitimately five guys that can come off that bench and make a difference, can have an impact in the game. Uh, Barbosa maybe not so much, but even he stepped up a little bit in the in this series and, and against the Lakers in his career. Barbosa has certainly been formidable. 
Phil Jackson has said it on many occasions in the past when the Suns have played the Lakers that they just couldn't game plan for that guy. They had no way of stopping him. Granted, that was, what, three, four years ago, the last time that the Suns played the Lakers in the playoffs. And Leandro Barbosa has certainly not been uh, up to that level of play since. However, who knows? If Dragic uh, decides to come out of his shell again and he lights it up for 20 points in a quarter, you never know. You just don't. Jared Dudley, Channing Fry, any of these guys have been stepping off the bench and they've been having their moments in the sun. So maybe that's what they'll do against the uh, the Lakers. And certainly Jason Richardson, uh, he's been, for the most part, the scoring leader for the Phoenix Suns. So I'm going to sit here and talk about it. I'm not just going to give the Lakers the free pass to the NBA Finals. And I know people are saying, well, you know, the, the Celtics, uh, they're 2-2 with the Cavs. Look, LeBron James is injured. And I know that uh, people, uh, Boston fans, think that it's just a, um, a conspiracy or that it's LeBron looking for an excuse for when they lose the series. Uh, no, I, this guy is legitimately injured. If you watch the way he's playing, he's just not playing very well right now. He's clearly got an injury. Clearly. He's already had a couple of MRIs. Um, and anybody that says otherwise and says that, you know, you're just not, I know that, I know it's cool to dump on LeBron James. I certainly did it when he came into the league. I remember there's there's certainly clips of me talking about how this guy has got, got nothing but hype and he's never played a game in the NBA. Well, look, if you look at the track record, LeBron James has been dominant since he came into the league and he's only been getting better. Suddenly, he hasn't been playing up to his normal par. He's not been playing up to his standard, all right? This tells me that something is clearly wrong. It's not that the Celtics are game planning very well for him. The Celtics have not exactly been lighting it up throughout the season. Yeah, it's, it's one thing if you beat up on the Bulls or you beat up on, uh, you know, Milwaukee and the Pistons and uh, the Pacers and, you know, a lot of that other crap that's in the Eastern Conference. We all know the Eastern Conference for the most part it's it's very the the Eastern Conference is very bottom heavy, meaning the teams at the bottom suck and they suck bad. Look, you had the Nets in the conference, okay? I'm sorry, but if you have the Nets, the Pistons, the um, the Wizards, and the Sixers and the Pacers, okay, those are just those are basically statistically those are about the five worst teams in the NBA, and they're all in the Eastern Conference. So for the Celtics, that's what? Like uh, 4, 8, 12. That's about 18 to 20 free wins right there. I mean, you're and in the Eastern Conference, you're more than halfway to the playoffs with 20 wins. Whereas you look at the Western Conference, the Spurs were the seventh seed and they had 50 wins. It's just, it's a superior brand of basketball, generally speaking, that's in the Western Conference. So let's not, I mean, the Phoenix Suns, you look at this, the Phoenix Suns have beat the, the Celtics. They beat them twice this year, and they just absolutely destroyed the Celtics both times they played them. You know, the Lakers, uh, the, the Lakers, well, they lost to the Magic, but they lost to the Magic uh, the one time they lost to the Magic. Wasn't that when uh, Bynum was out? 
I have no doubt that whoever makes it to the NBA Finals from the Western Conference will win, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the Suns. You know, I don't want to hear this. And and I know that it'd be very tough for the Suns to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in a seven-game series. But again, if LeBron James is injured like he seems to be, then that makes it a little bit easier. But I, I hate the national media is just setting it up like it's it's going to be the Lakers and the Cavs or it's going to be the Lakers and the Magic. Uh, let's let's just hold on for a second here. Lakers still have to get four four more wins, and they're they're not going to come easy. I don't think. We'll have more on that. I'll certainly preview the series as we get a little bit closer to it, and I'll give you my prediction on it. I'm not saying I'm even picking the Suns to win the series. I'm just telling you it's not a foregone conclusion. Let's just hold off for a second. Uh, I have been getting a little bit of crap about how um, I picked the Padres to be in last place in the National League West and the Padres are in first place. Um, Yeah, well, again, let's just hold off on that too. It's May 10th. The A's are in first place, the Padres are in first place, and the Nationals are over 500. So let's just hold on a second. Baseball is a very long season, 162 games. Things sort of have a way of evening themselves out. I can promise you the Red, well, the well, the Nationals are going to be nowhere near 500, I think. I mean, they're an improved team. There's no question that the Nationals are better. They're not going to be above 500 at the end of the season. The Padres are not going to finish first place. They are not going to win the National League West. I, I don't know about the Mets. I, I had the Mets toward the bottom, too. I don't know if the Mets are going to finish above 500. They might. They might. The Mets somehow are, are even though their broadcasters are falling asleep during the games, uh, they might be able to uh, finish fi- above 500. I mean, the National League East right now, aside from the Phillies, it's up for grabs. Aside from the Phillies, second place is open to anybody except for Atlanta. They suck. But I don't think Atlanta's going to stay at the bottom the entire year. I mean, theoretically. I mean, hell, uh, the the Reds have been somewhat competitive. I, I, I would not look for that to continue. All right? So let's just slow down for a minute. All right, we do have some serious, actual, substantive topics to get into that aren't just sports-related. I know, people just... Oh, he's talking about sports! God! I know, people are... Uh, they just... They, they can't handle it when we talk sports. I know, I, I still hear about it, even to this day on the podcast. I know some people don't like it. They, they want to just hear about the political stuff. They want to hear about what's going on in the world. They want all the news. And so we'll do that. All right? Um, <laughs> I got it. Uh, there is one more sports thing since we're already uh, we're in this segment. We're doing sports. We might as well get to this. Uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods had to withdraw from a uh, from the tournament from the golf tournament over the weekend. He was not playing very well at all. He was ten shots off the pace, and on the seventh hole, he just said, "I'm done. See ya." Uh, supposedly, he has a bulging disc. He had pain in his neck, and right now uh, he is playing injured. And so he withdrew from the tournament. Somebody on the Golf Channel, uh, this woman makes a Freudian slip. Do we have this clip? Yeah, let me see here. Uh, Yeah, Uh, you'll have to forgive the quality of this. The audio quality isn't very good. This is just one of those where somebody puts their camera up to the TV. I don't know why people post stuff like this, but whatever. Uh, The woman's name here, let me see if I have this correct... Uh, this is, I, I don't, I don't know her name, but anyway, this is from the golf channel. 
Tiger, uh, they're, they're talking about Tiger Woods and his, uh, his bulging disc that he has in his, uh, in his back and why he had to leave the game. And this woman, of course, says a Freudian slip and says bulging dick. Here it is. Officials, he later went into the physical therapy trailer and then got into his SUV to leave. He says he's been playing with a bad neck for about a month and thinks it could be a bulging dick disc in his upper back. Well, there you go. A bulging, a bulging dick. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. So I'm sorry if you had a little bit of a hard time hearing that. I'll try and, uh, you know, I, I wish I had the uh, the clip, the proper clip here. But uh, in my show research, I didn't want to spend like six hours looking for this clip. So I, I just thought that was pretty funny. But uh, Tiger Woods with some injuries. And I know we all just feel terrible for the guy, don't we? We're all, we're all sitting here. We're losing sleep over the fact that uh, Tiger is, um, he's, he's doing poorly. Yeah. We, I, feel, I feel so bad for him. I wonder uh, what porn star or what model he's uh, going home to for treatment. It's certainly not his wife. We know that much is true. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, the channel net radio, and all of our information relevant to this program available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Yes, only four and a half more months of heat and having to worry about running the air conditioner in here. Ugh. No thanks. I may just, uh, I may head up to Minneapolis this summer for a while. That's starting to sound better and better. All right, quick break. We'll come back with segment number three right after this. Michael Groff in exile. In the jagged edge of peace, through the distance, clouds of tears. I'm like a bridge that was washed away. My foundations were made of clay. Yeah. 
segment number three. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Monday, May 10th, 2010. Between the present and the past We only sacrifice the future Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. That's also our PayPal address. Should you just find this program so amazingly awesome that you'd like to contribute something to it, that would just be, that'd be amazing of you. I'm willing, you know, if people contribute and they want to they hear a certain bumper, or they want to, I don't know, they want something special out of the deal, I'm, I'm certainly willing to do that. I will whore myself out. I will do it. I'm there. That's great. I'm having a great day. A little Jim Rome there. I will do it. I have a great day. Hey, pair of the box. Anyway, all of our information relevant to this program available at the one, the only MichaelGrob.com. Thank you. Uh, the European economy is struggling. To say the least, it is bad news. And, you know, our economy here in the United States, in spite of what some people might tell you, that we're in the midst of some miraculous recovery, uh, I'm not seeing it. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. When my father passed away. I, uh, first of all, we have the new unemployment numbers. We Our unemployment is up around 10% still. Uh, we're not seeing those numbers dip off. The only thing that we are noting is that some people are falling off the register for unemployment because they've been unemployed for so long or they've given up trying. After a while, they're not counted in the Department of Labor statistics any longer. So that's uh, part of the factor in the unemployment. But even though, even with that factor in mind, it's still going up, which tells you that unemployment is really around 1% or 2% higher than it's actually being listed as, maybe even more so. So the jobless rate is certainly uh, is certainly higher than you might think it is, even though 10% is pretty high. Now, you look at some countries around the world, and that's not so bad, and you look at the history of the United States when back in the uh, Great Depression, the unemployment was over 30%. Okay, granted, uh, it's not as bad as it could be, but it certainly could be a lot better, and we're certainly no closer to recovery now than we have been at any point. All right, I don't see a recovery anytime soon. And now with the oil spill, uh, with the European economy going into the tank, and this is something that we called for a long time on this show. This is something that I've been talking about for years. The Euro economy is not one that was long lasting, not a, a sustainable uh, economy, certainly for a number of reasons. And I'm not even going to get into all of it because I think it would bore the crap out of most of the audience. But let's face it, uh, we've gone over it before. And now we're looking at it right here in front of our eyes. And you saw the stock market plummet the other day. Procter & Gamble, just one of the stocks that took the biggest hit. And uh, they lost half of their value in one day of their stock. What was their, I think their stock was like 60 and then it went down to 30 or something like that. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I just know that it lost about almost half its value in one day. I mean, the market took a substantial hit. And we could see another day like that. Uh, the Europeans, the Euros, uh, they're freaked out. European Union finance ministers moved toward an agreement on an unprecedented loan package worth at least $645 billion to prevent Greece's fiscal woes from triggering a broader sovereign debt crisis and shattering confidence in the Euro. 
jolted into action by last week's slide in the currency to a 14th month low and soaring bond yields in Portugal and Spain, the 16 euro government sketched out plans to make 440 billion euros or about 570 billion dollars available with 60 billion euros more from the EU's budget. This is according to three officials at the talks in Brussels. Uh, an additional unspecified sum may come from the International Monetary Fund, the officials said, quote, we are going to defend the euro, Spanish economy minister Alina Selgado told reporters as she arrived to chair the meeting yesterday. Quote, we think we have a duty for more stability for our currency. We will do whatever is necessary. Europe's failure to contain Greece's fiscal crisis triggered a 4.1% drop in the euro last week alone. The biggest weekly decline since the aftermath of Lehman Brothers Holdings Incorporated collapse. It prompted the U.S. and Asia to urge broader steps to prevent debt crisis from panicking the world back into a recession. Uh, I, I would argue that we're not really out of the recession right now. Now, Barack Obama, he spoke by phone to German Chancellor Ange, uh, Angela Merkel uh, for the second time in three days. And uh, he he's adding to the international pressure that Europe has faced since, uh, well, over the last several weeks with regard to this crisis. You know, they're talking about this. The euro could very well have parity with the dollar. Right now, the euro is worth about uh, $1.29. For a while, it was over a buck fifty, and now it's down to $1.29, and they, they expect it to continue to fall precipitously. And the European economy, there's, there's many, many reasons. Uh, you can look at Lehman Brothers. You can look at all these, uh, these big financial institutions crumbling. That's certainly one thing. When you have an, an entire society, this is a sociological issue as well. When you have an entire society that's based around handouts when you have an entire society that's based around entitlements your currency is not going to have long-lasting sustainability when you have a union of of countries that bases their society on the socialist principles and around the idea of of entitlements free stuff currency cannot be long-lasting because some people are going to take more than others greed ultimately wins out Sorry, socialism only works until the rich people run out of money or until somebody gets a little bit too greedy. It's just, that's how it works. That's how it's always going to work. Banks came in there, big financial institutions, that collapsed, the, the collapse that we had here in the United States, uh, the entire world recession. You factor that in with the entitlement programs that's going on across Europe uh, and the, the euro is going to decline and, and the Brits say they don't really want to back this whole thing. There are a lot of countries that are very compromised on wanting to help out other countries across Europe. If you don't understand what's going on, quite frankly, Greece is having a major meltdown right now. They don't know how long they have economic stability. Frankly, they don't have economic stability. They don't know how long they're going to have um, solvency economically. You could indeed have a complete collapse of the Greek economy, which is really what's been going on. You could have one in Spain. You could have uh, the entire European Union. They're looking at a lot of junk bonds. They're looking at a lot of long-term investments, a lot of long-term uh, uh, instability in their economy, and that is causing panic in the short term. If you don't know how much uh, your currency is going to be worth tomorrow, you're going to start panicking today. And that's what's happening all across Europe. And, you know, this this panic is being rippled across the world. 
as goes Europe, so goes the United States. As goes the United States, so goes Asia. As goes Asia, so goes Europe. As goes Europe, so goes the United States. You see the cycle. It just goes on and on and on. The world economy, I'm sorry, this is a global economy. We say that all the time. It's something that I hate to say, but it is very true. This is a global economy, whether we like it or not. Unfortunately, the bad decisions of the euros do affect us here in the United States. We are no longer isolated from all of that. The economy is just too broad. It is too big. We cannot help it any longer. We are at the mercy of the, the European economy. As much as I hate to see it and as much as I hate to say it, as much as it pains me to believe, we are there. We are at their mercy, unfortunately just like they are at ours. That's why no one can ever call in the debt that the United States owes, this substantial debt that we've accrued. Uh, the problem is uh, we have to worry about that too. That's going to weigh us down sooner or later. You just can't continue to deficit spend and expect there to be no consequences. It, it's all tied in. It is all tied in. Uh, I guess I'll get to this, too. Barack Obama has nominated Solicitor General Alina Kagan uh, to be the Supreme uh, to the Supreme Court. She, he says that the former Harvard Law School dean is, quote, one of the nation's foremost legal minds. She would be the court's youngest justice and give it three female members for the first time. The nomination to replace uh, Justice John Paul Stevens. Um this this is uh, set. Let's see. Hearings are are due to set here shortly. They're gonna they're gonna look at this. And look, it's fifty nine forty one in the Senate. In terms of uh, Democrats to Republicans, will they actually put her in? I don't think there's going to be much of a resistance. I know that she's going to be grilled in her hearings, but uh, ultimately she will be in there probably sometime before Labor Day. Mm, theoretically. We'll see. But regardless, she is a controversial figure. She's the one that said there should be no military recruiters. She would not allow military recruiters on the uh, campus of Harvard while she was the dean. She's had many controversial decisions. We're going to get into these as we go through time. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't really want to get into it today. I just don't have the time and I, I don't really have the patience, quite frankly. But I am going to go through this. We have, we have several weeks, we have months to talk about this issue. But that is uh, who will likely be replacing John Paul Stevens in the United States Supreme Court. She's 50 years old, so she will be on the court for quite some time. It is a lifetime appointment for those of you who are unfamiliar with, uh, with Basic Civics 101 here. Then this is a weird story. An 83-year-old Indian man says that he has not eaten or consumed any liquids, no food, no water, for over 60 years. The guy's name is Prahlad Jani, or Jani, or Yani, whatever. He spent, uh, he's, so far, he spent two weeks in a hospital in the western India state of, of uh, Gajarat, He's under constant surveillance from a team of 30 medics equipped with cameras and closed-circuit television. During the period, he neither ate nor drank and did not go to the bathroom. Quote, we still do not know how he survives. Now, he claims he's been doing this for over 60 years. This is no big deal to him. He has not had anything to eat or drink in 60 years. 
The guy doesn't look a day over 530. <laughs> he, he, listen, he's an old guy, but he, uh, he doesn't eat or drink. Hasn't for 60 years. They've been watching him for two weeks. He hasn't eaten or consumed anything. He does not appear to be self or, uh, suffering any uh, health problems. During the 15-day observation, which ended on Thursday, <clears throat> the doctors took uh, scans of Johnny's organs, brain, and blood vessels, as well as doing tests on his heart, lungs, and memory capacity. Quote, the reports were all in the predetermined safety range through the observational period. Other results from DNA analysis, molecular biology studies, and tests of his hormones, enzymes, energy metabolisms, and uh, genes all take months to come through. Quote, if Johnny does not derive energy from food and water, he must be doing uh, that from uh, other energy sources around him, sunlight being one of them. As medical precautions, uh, we cannot shut our eyes to possibilities to a source of energy other than calories. So they say he might be getting solar energy. This guy might, but they're serious. They don't know how this guy is going without food or water. Can you imagine if we could? Obviously, they say that, look, we could have, uh, this could be a, a huge benefit to soldiers out in the field. Of course, we immediately look for military options, how this could benefit us militarily. But this could be just, uh, this could be amazing. Study this guy. Figure it out. 60 years without food. Now, listen, I still need beer. I'm not going to go 60 years without beer. I, I want to I, I eat hamburgers. But they're saying maybe if we could figure out what's going on, how this guy is getting energy, how this guy is surviving 60 years without food, we could figure it out. But uh, right now, as far as we know, starvation is still uh, pretty prominent. This guy must be channeling something from somewhere we're just not aware of. And finally, the wacky quotient of the day, uh, we go to Senator Robert Menendez. He's urging Major League Baseball to boycott next year's All-Star Game in Phoenix over the recently passed SB 1070 in the state of Arizona. Yes, this thing still hasn't died. The New Jersey Democrat says in a letter that 27% of Major League players are Latinos and they shouldn't be uh, subjected to a law. Menendez says codifies racial profiling. Now, we've already gone through this. Anybody that's read this, you know that racial profiling is prohibited by the law. And this mirrors the federal law that's on the books. Uh, it's amazing that a, could it possibly be that a legislator hasn't read a bill that he's commenting on? Well, that's shocking, especially a Democrat doing that. That's even more shocking. A Democrat that doesn't understand the law. Yeah, again, this is the federal law. The, the state of Arizona has taken the federal law and they have adapted it for the state of Arizona. And uh, the problem is, once again, we are protecting our borders. We are doing something to protect the sovereignty of the United States. People that are here illegally should not be here. What part of illegal don't you understand? They are breaking the law. I, I still don't. This is something that just it's so weird to me that people would be defending people that are breaking the law. It's like a, it's like we're defending bank robbers. We're defending uh, we're defending people that uh, commit forgery. Uh, by the way, 
forgery, identity theft. These are common crimes among people that are here in the United States illegally. 30% of the crime committed in Maricopa County is committed by illegals. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Here's a guy that says, we should boycott. Yeah, that's what we should start doing. We should start, we should try and, and put pressure on a state economically because we don't like a law that's passed. We should hurt the people of the state. Whether they voted for or against that or not, we should put economic pressure on a state. We should, especially in these economic times, we should encourage less business in a specific region of the country. Look, you're from New Jersey. Your state barely counts for anything. I wouldn't start mouthing off about Arizona. I'll tell you what. How about... All of you that are from New Jersey that believe what this guy believes, how about you all stay home then? Don't come here. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, whatever, uh, Menendez, uh, don't come to, the, to uh, Arizona ever. I don't want to see you here. Um, I know many of you come here because, uh, well, you're buried under 12 feet of snow and, well, it's uh, two degrees and you've lost power for the 13th time in a month because an ice storm has taken down your power lines and you're complaining that when you come out here, it's it's only 55 degrees with rain. You're complaining about our weather. Meanwhile, uh, you would never dare to go home. So that's why you come out here in the first place. And then you drive like crap. You don't know how to drive. You You're surly and rude. You have that East Coast attitude. How about just shut the hell up? I love, I love all these. We want to boycott. We want, we want the Major League Baseball All-Star Game not to come to Phoenix, and we're going to put pressure on Major League Baseball. Fine! I hate to tell you, but I think we're going to do fine. We'll do just fine without people from New Jersey coming here. We'll do just fine with people with their boycotts. Boycotts hardly ever work. People have short memories. They forget. We can weather the storm just fine here in Arizona. I hate to tell you, Phoenix, we're the fifth largest city. I think we can do just fine. If this were 1917 and Arizona was only a state for about half a decade, uh, maybe we would have had a problem with it. My might be a problem. All right? We might be struggling to, to survive. But I think with 4 million people, over 4 million people in the metro area alone, not to mention the other people in this state, I think we're going to do just fine. But I think it's just completely irresponsible for a, a legislator to be advocating denying the people of a specific area money. And when you deny tourism or when you deny an all-star game, you're denying us money. I mean, they, they estimate that it'll uh, infuse, what, about us 40 to $60 million into our economy for the all-star game. Maybe more. Uh, from visitation. So uh, I, I, I don't see, I fail to see how that's beneficial. And especially in these economic times, I think that's very irresponsible to advocate that. But if that, that's what you want to do, if that gets your jollies off because all you've got in New Jersey is the, is the damn nets, for God's sake, I would encourage people to boycott nets games, but it, it, it seems that everybody has, including the team itself. Good God, what an idiot. No, I mean, really, that's just, that is a completely, that is a completely irresponsible idea. Let's not go to the state of Arizona. Let's, let's get Major League Baseball to ban the All-Star game. Okay. That's using your head, buddy. You see, this again speaks to the polarization that's going on in this country. When you have, for example, a Republican legislator 
and a Republican governor that sign a bill into law that mirrors a law that's already on the books but applies it to the state because the federal government has not done their duty. So the people of the state elect representatives to do, in essence, what their, what their government is not doing. And all of a sudden, other people who are on the other side of the political spectrum decide that this is a bad idea, and then they try to get the troops rallied the other way, and they drive a wedge in. And they'll make up things. They will lie about said bill or said piece of legislation to try and get people polarized. That's what I have a problem with. I have, the, I have a problem with the people that are lying. I have the problem with broadcasters uh, like Randy Rhodes and Tom Hartman and Mike Malloy and Ed Schultz and anybody that's, that's been so outspoken against this that goes on the radio and actually lies about this legislation. And I'm sorry, but that's what they're doing. They are lying to their audience for the express purpose of getting them fired up so that they'll put pressure on the state of Arizona and try and encourage boycotts, especially in these economic times. You're going to try and encourage a boycott against a state because you disagree with a law that's already been in place and that the people of the United States have already said they are for. What's funny is, is by speaking out against this law, you are speaking out against law enforcement. You are saying that it's okay to break the law. It's okay uh, and I'm tired of the standby argument of, hey, listen, we, we're against illegal immigration and we need a conversation about immigration reform in this country. But what I find most amazing about this is they are going to use this boycott as a way to sort of hold the state of Arizona hostage until we talk about comprehensive immigration reform. And you know, comprehensive immigration reform is a big three-word term for amnesty. That's what they want. And you see, and, and I'm, putting, I'm putting the onus on both sides here because in the federal level, on the federal level, Republicans have not done anything about illegal immigration because it helps businesses with cheap labor. Helps the big agribusiness. It helps the hotel industry. It helps a lot of business. Construction helps a lot of business get very cheap labor that they can pay under the table. Everybody wins there. Except, of course, the American people. The taxpayers. The left likes it because they can get people into this country that are more likely to help their side, help their cause, and empower them. Let's face it, people that come into this country illegally, uh, illegal immigrants, they, wanna, they want the Democrats in power. Democrats historically, well, they've been even more willing to help the illegals than the Republicans. And both, let's face it, both sides help, the, help uh, the, the illegals, but they just do it in different ways. One party gives the business the ability to hire them and do it cheaply and do it under the table. The other side then gives them all the other free stuff that comes with being here illegally, all the government help, and then cries and, and says that uh, they, they, they hold out the, the hankies and they get all sobby and teary-eyed. See, these, these illegals, they just want to come here. They just want to work. They just want to live out the American dream, which I understand they do. I don't think that people that come to this country, by and large, I don't believe that they have ill intent for coming here, but that's not my problem. My problem is not the person that's broken into my house and is now eating food out of my refrigerator. My problem is not necessarily with that person. My problem is with the people that continue to allow those people 
to get near my house to break in and eat food out of my refrigerator and sit on my couch and watch my TV. And then when I dare to want to kick them out, all of a sudden, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy because I want to enforce the laws. I'm the bad guy because I want to enforce the rules. Well, I'm sorry, but I hate being the bad guy, but I guess I'm just going to have to continue to play that role of bad guy on this show. And in my life, I'm going to terminally have to do that until the system changes. And I don't want to hear about comprehensive immigration reform. I want to hear about enforcing immigration law. I want to hear about stopping the entitlements, stopping the free stuff. I, I don't, securing the border, fine, let's do it. But let's just stop the incentive for people to come here. Let's crack down on businesses that hire illegals. That's step number one. Let's try and crack down on the criminal aspect here. ID theft, fraud forgery, etc. Let's do that. That's step number two. And oh, by the way, sure. Let's um, <clears throat> let's enforce the border. Let's let's close it if we have to. But whatever we need to do. But see, it's not going to happen because too many special interest groups are tied up in illegal immigration. They want illegal immigration. I don't want to go all conspiracy theorist here, but you know it and I know it. It's very easily substantiated that really a lot of special interest groups, a lot of money is behind illegal immigration coming into the United States. Just like a lot of money is involved in making sure that our businesses in this country stay overseas and that they do a large part of their work, a large part of their workforce is overseas because they can pay them bottom of the barrel wages and they don't have to worry about liability. They don't have to worry about insurance. They don't have to worry about little things like taxes. It's all write-offs. It's all business expenses. Corporations can do that. I'm pro-capitalist. Okay, I'm as capitalist as it gets and I'm all about saving money. I don't mind a company pinching a few pennies. But I'm sorry. The incentive that we've given companies to move their operations overseas sickens me. The fact that we don't bother to go after companies that hire illegals. Yeah, in this state, here in the state of Arizona, we, we have tried. We have made some strides to do so. And we have been fought tooth and nail every way possible. And now we have our own federal government threatening to sue the state of Arizona. The feds are going to sue the state because they're not doing their job. And the state says, well, we're going to do it if you're not. And then the feds are going to try and hold that against us. They're going to use that as, as uh, basically as, as, a, as hostage. They're going to hold uh, federal funding to our state hostage. You just watch. They're going to do it over this illegal immigration issue. It, it just boggles my mind. I'm not a lawyer, okay? I'm not a doctor. I'm a regular citizen that is seeing this play out in front of me, and it's very sad. It's very sad because, really, the illegals are losing out. The, the citizens, the legal citizens of this country, both those that have immigrated here and, and gone through the process of becoming a naturalized citizen and the people that were born in the United States, they're losing out. Government overall is, is losing out, although uh, the only people that are winning, a lot of businesses are winning, and uh, people, uh, certain people in certain parties, uh, certain Republicans and certain Democrats are certainly benefiting. Everybody else is losing. 
Unfortunately, the people that are winning are the people with the power right now. And that's why I think it's really time. We really need to take it to a lot of these people uh, in November. It's six months away. It's less than six months away. The 2010 election. You need to remember all of this when you go to the polls in a few months. All right. I'm, I'm serious about this. Remember this in your in your uh, primaries for governor. Remember this when you go to the polls in November. I'm, I, I couldn't be more. I'm as serious as a heart attack. Remember all of this. Don't just sit there and think about Democrat, Republican. Think about these key issues. Think about all these incumbents that have screwed this up every way possible. When you go to the polls, think about it. I'm just saying. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Michael Graff in Exile. I want to I want to mention, you know, it's it's been a, a bit of a difficult day for me. All right. May 10th is always a, a difficult day. I sort of have myself. Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm already in exile, so I'm already kind of isolated anyway. It would have been nice to have somebody to talk to today. And that's why uh, this podcast just uh, goes on and on, because at least I am talking. It's hard to believe uh, eight years ago today, my father passed away. And, um, you know, some of the bumpers on the show today sort of centered around that. Um, you know, one of my dad, uh, he, a couple of those songs we play today, he liked those songs. A couple of those songs are just indicative of, of uh, you know, just sort of personal sentiments and uh, things like that. So it's been a... Um, it's it's a difficult day. May 10th is always a difficult day. Father's Day is a little bit tough, you know. You always miss your dad. It's when your parents die, for those of you that haven't experienced this or if you're close to your parents or one parent or the other, it, it, it you never really get over it. And certainly time has healed the wound uh, for me. But it's just um it's always tough every year, and I always pay a, a little tribute to my dad every year. I always, uh, you know, say a few words about him. Uh, you know, uh, I the apple certainly didn't fall far from the tree. Um, we're both uh, we were both very opinionated people. Um, believe it or not, you might find this hard to believe. My dad was definitely more liberal than I am. Um, so we had many uh, interesting discussions as I was growing up, and we certainly had our our share of arguments, but we were, you know, very close and, um, it's just, uh, it's weird. You know, it, it's it, in a way it feels like it's been an eternity since he passed away. And yet there are sometimes it, it seems like it was just yesterday. And I remember so many conversations I had with him so vividly. And I remember so many things about him so vividly. And then I'm sitting here and, uh, I mean, I'm doing the show and I, I just, Every year that goes by, every year that there's distance, yeah, I mean, time heals all wounds, but it's, you know, it's, there's, there's definitely a part of you and your parents. And I, I guess I, I say this, I say this every year. I have many people that have written to me over the years about this. And I, there's a lot of people that aren't close with their parents. Um, you know, like I'm, I, I was definitely a lot closer to my dad than my mom. I love my mom dearly, but you know, uh, my dad and I, you know, we watched sports and talked about it all the time. I, I think, um, you know, in the early days of my show, I hardly ever talked about sports because I, I spent most of the day talking about sports with my dad. So, you know, and by the time I, I got to do the show, I, 
I was wound down. I, he was somebody that I was vented to. My, my podcasts in those days were very low energy, uh, <laughs> quite frankly. But I, I always say this, and it sounds so cheesy, and it sounds so trite when I say it. And it's, I know it's, it's like kind of grandstanding almost, but I really say it. You know what, man? Uh, just try and, and you know, uh, tell your parents you love them, for God's sake. You know, um, your dad, your mom, even if you're not very close with them, at least because, you know, it's going to all seem any argument that you have, any grievance that you have with your parents, it all seems so trivial when they're dead. It really does. Um, I, I, I guess I, again, and I know it sounds corny and I, what am I doing even sitting here babbling about this, but it's just something that I, I do feel a little bit passionately about in, in a sense just because I know that um, there were so many things that I wanted to tell my dad. And there were so many things I, I still wanted to live and experience with him, you know, uh, that now that he's gone, you just can't. And so it sucks. And uh, I mean, I, I know this is a real downer part of the podcast and I, <laughs> I, I realize that, but um, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I was what, 24 years old when he died. 24, almost 24 and a half. And uh, it still seems, it seems just very fresh to me. And uh, I mean, a lot of people said they were going to call me today or, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I it's one of those days where I feel especially in exile, if you will, on a day like this. So anyway, that's uh, that's enough of the bummer speech, I guess. But um, you know, if your dad's still alive, tell him you love him for God's sake, or or just have a have a beer with the guy, or I don't know, do something for God's sake. <laughs> I, I I because somebody like me would give anything to have that opportunity again. All right. That's uh, that's enough of my soapbox. Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address. Um, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Grave show the screen name. Of course, all of our information relevant and germane to this program is available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. You can always go there and check things out. I, I really haven't done anything with the site. I, I, for years, I've been threatening to do something with it, and I just haven't. It's just one of those things. I have nothing but time, and yet I still don't. It's very, uh, well, whatever. I d- It'll be my project. Before I die, I'm sure I'll have done something with the site, I guess. All right. Well, uh, that's it. We'll talk to you tomorrow on another edition of Michael Graff in Exile. And uh, have a good night, everybody. Remember the day